0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the How to Bet podcast series from brisnet.com focused on the Traverse Stakes. We'll bring in Scott Shapiro after I introduce the day's proceedings, but it's a fantastic card on Saturday at Saratoga, anchored, of course, by the Midsummer Derby, the Traverse Stakes, but another trio of Grade 1 races leads into it in an all in an all-Grade 1 Pick 4 that Scott and I we'll talk about now, we'll save, I don't want to say the best for last, because uh, maybe, I mean, it's a great race, but plenty of good races on the card, and very eager to get Scott's thoughts on it. Scott, how you doing?
1: Doing well, Ed, good to be back, second of two big cards, and of course, by far the best card of the summer, so looking forward to getting things started early here on the West Coast tomorrow.
0: Yeah, first post, uh, I think, noon eastern Mm -hmm. and so 9 a.m. for you is that right 8:35, i believe wow all right well anyone listening playing huddy don't forget uh picks have to be in before the first race uh i know i'll be uh paying attention to that and uh 13 race card before we get into the grade ones uh scott i said on wednesday after it came out this is the best non-breeders cup card In the history of the American turf, I know you're not as prone to hyperbole as I am, uh, but do you at least uh, agree in the spirit of the thought that this is uh, a superlative card uh, when it comes to racing recently? Yeah, I think it's a real
1: strong card, Ed. I I would put some of the Belmont uh, Stakes cards right up there. Derby Day, cards are probably not as strong from top to bottom, but of course you have the Kentucky Derby to top it off. I um, do not see as much potential value probably in it as you do. So, in terms of a wagering card, it's not you know one of the best ever like you you know, and, and even worth being compared to the Breeders' Cup. However, in terms of quality, talent, and, and you know, just an exciting day at one of my favorite race tracks, it's hard to not be real excited for tomorrow.
0: Yeah, um, without a doubt, uh, things uh, get going with the early pick five that early post time on race one. Stakes action starts after the pick five uh, with the personal ensign, which we'll touch on after we get through the pick six, excuse me, the pick four. The pick six does start in the race after the personal ensign, the ballerina. And our discussion starts with the grade one H. Allen Jerkins, formerly uh, the King's Bishop Stakes. Uh, to me, always a fun race, one I've had varying degrees of success with. Uh, I actually had great notion and valid video uh, in a year where the best horse was third behind them, and Ghost Sapper, that was one of my better licks. And some years I've been left totally scratching my head by this race. Uh, and this is a year uh, I like some chalks uh, after this. Uh, so I'm going to reach a little bit in the the jerkins. Uh, but to me, there's a lot of different ways you can go. What was sort of your overview of the race?
1: Yeah, I think it's an interesting race. Ed, uh, it's a race that I've always enjoyed as well. However, two years ago, I remember being stunned, being alive uh, for some nice hits, uh, and Run Happy ran them off their feet, as I believe huh. uh, we were told. Um, but yeah, that kind of that kind of dulled me uh, last year with Dre Fong, much more of a figure horse. Um, and that horse is, uh, in the next race to forego, but another Bob Baffert charge, uh, leads the, uh, way as the two to one morning line favorite. I do think American Anthem is, is obviously a major contender in here, but I'm going to take a shot against off the, uh. What two and a half month layoff. As much as I've been impressed visually with this horse the last two times, I do think this is the toughest task to date for uh, the Son of Bodemeister. So at what I expect to be eight to five or two to one, I do see other options in here. I probably would single practical joke if this was a Belmont um, or over a track a little bit that's been a little bit more kind to late-running types. I've always, as you know, uh, said this horse is a, a one-turn animal. Obviously, he has been very capable of performing pretty well against the best three-year-olds at two turns, but hasn't really had the same punch that he illustrated uh, in the Dwyer, the grade three that he won on July 8th. However, I do have concerns at Saratoga, the way the track's been playing, that coming from way out of it from the rail may be a little much. I expect Rosario to have a lot to do, um, so that being said, I'm going to include Practical Joke, but I think number seven, Coal Front, and number eight, no dozing, are good options as well and provide better value. Cole Front uh, put away the speed in the, in the last race in the grade two Amsterdam to go three for three and held off the late runners. He's done such very little wrong and definitely has room to still improve for Todd Fletcher and then number eight no dozing comes off a win in the mud at the seven furlong distance at laurel it was a dominating win um this horse has tried two turns and one turn i think he's best at one turn i think he sits a pretty nice trip in this spot and and would definitely be a somewhat of a bust out in the sequence which i think we're going to need to try to find one to have it be worthwhile so i'm going to go one seven eight to start how about you
0: yeah i, I agree this uh, to me uh really is sort of uh, needing the bust out. Uh, No-dozing intrigues. I'm with you on him. Uh, You did not mention uh, the horse who actually finished behind no-dozing in the Remsen and now will be a shorter price in the King's Bishop, Uh, obviously two totally different races and further down the calendar. Uh, But Tackleful, what are you doing with him? Well, it sounds like you're not using him on on a main ticket for sure, so you're pretty comfortable tossing him it sounds like. Yeah, I just think he can beat me, obviously, if he runs back to that monster
1: effort over the track, but it's an extra furlong, it's against better, I don't see him making a clear lead like he did in that race, which is a huge advantage this meet, Um, and I'm expecting a regression off of that effort, I mean, it did kind of come a little bit out of nowhere, I remember it knocking me out that day of the pick five, I was... Definitely not expecting him to put forth that effort. I respect, but like American Anthem, you know, I'm not going to use. I expect him to be the third or fourth choice. And just going to go three deep in here. But it sounds like you're interested.
0: You know, what you said about Run Happy sort of to jog me, and obviously we're not going to get the price on Tackleful that we did on Run Happy. But, you know, here's a horse who sort of flashed him. Some talent uh, needed needed a break and then came back gangbusters and just splits the field. Um, the difference is his last performance was so overwhelming, uh, above and beyond what he had done before. Uh, you have to worry about regression, especially from a trainer. I mean, there's a few weeks rest, but you know, somewhat quick off that kind of performance, so. He'll be on some tickets, but uh, I'll have to structure carefully because I'm not really – he's not a chalk I want to use and then, you know, pair up with, like, a Gervin and Dreyfong, for instance. So, um, yeah, to me it'll be a defensive use with the the price plays I like later. Uh, But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Colfront certainly interests me. Practical joke, I think, will actually be favored over American Anthem, who I'm definitely against uh, for all the reasons you stated. Uh, and then the only other one I'll mention uh, that I'll use, and rather bullishly, because uh, if he wins, I'll definitely want to you know be live to all my logical horses later in the sequence, is Ann Arboretti, who, to me, uh, tackle fullbacks out of it, might be the one to sort of get the jump and get the right trip. Uh, and there's some number of power there, at 15 to 1, uh, that I'm going to include him on my ticket. Interesting. Calbred, shipping um,
1: east. I did see that uh, Bruno with the works did have a uh, strong series of works uh, on Ann Arbor- Arboretti. To me, um, having known this horse, uh, I think he's in over his head. But perhaps uh, he is on the improve. I, I definitely um, would be surprised though, without a doubt. But the price is there for you, and will certainly bust out. Um, you know, and get you to, get you a chance to to make your uh, tickets worthwhile. So never never want to talk anybody off a fifteen to one morning line shot.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, he's just one that sort of stuck out. No, knowing uh, as we'll get to in a bit that um, I'm going to need a need a price if the rest goes. The way I think I will, he'd, he'd be one I want to use. But uh, a great renewal, and, and you do think American Anthem will be favored because I think Practical Joke will be the favorite.
1: I could see both of them. They're both going to take the lion's share of the money. I just think that the lasting impact of the Bob Baffert-Mike Smith-Belmont show combined with the three-for-three uh, three record at one turn uh, and the outside draw with the with the style that fits the track more will probably win out but we all know that Practical Jokes has a ton of supporters, you know, at at all distances, and there are a lot of folks like me that have, you know, kind of waited for him to get back to one turn again, Um, so they could both be two to one or so. I wouldn't be surprised, and, you know, like you said, Tackleful, I wouldn't, if you have, if you you give the horse, any horse in here a chance outside of those two, and you're playing a pick four, and you can afford it, throw them in, because I think that the the, a large segment of the public uh, will will go with just the one or the nine or the one and the nine. That's Practical Joke and American Anthem. So.
0: Mm. All right. Yeah, that, that's a good point when talking about these tickets. Is you say, oh, you know, five to one, I maybe reach a little more. But from a, you know, I think Practical Joke will be the win board favorite, but for all intents and purposes, like you said, they're probably, I think, either people single Practical Joke or use both, as you said, and then it'll be a big separation to who adds horses. So um, that's a good point. If You know, you can get the tackle full. It, it, he might actually play a little higher in the Maltese than he will uh, uh, on the tote board. Yeah, that's that's something to think about,
1: and I think about a lot, especially on these stakes cards where it's very rare – Um, It happens, but it seems like it's very rare where you get a a four-ray sequence with no logicals or no favorites. So hitting a real big one, like you might be able to, or you might wish you could, is probably not in the card. So stacking it with, you know, kind of a contrarian view in some races. Even, you know, in this race, you might get a, you know, a horse like Tackleful could be contrarian, whereas a 5-to-1 shot in the Travers will be a horse that just about everybody has on their tickets because I expect most most people playing this, sequ- this sequence to go deep in that race. So a 5-to-1 can definitely have different sorts of value uh, depending on which race it comes in.
0: Yep, uh, well well said. Uh, and speaking of that, I think the forego is, is a pretty interesting study in that regard because my sense is uh, you'll have your Dreyfrock believers. After that, uh, you add Minder Biscuits, then Divining Rod, and beyond those three, uh, maybe Stallwalking Dudes, the fourth choice in the Maltese, but um, to me, you really busted up past those three. Uh, but this is a, a race I, I don't see busting up. I just, uh, I would be legitimately surprised to have a winner beyond the, the three I mentioned. Uh, but I do favor Divining Rod, who will definitely be the third choice. Um, so I'm sort of thinking how much I want to lean on him, even as him not maybe being the more likely winner, but I definitely see him as the value in the race. Uh, how are you approaching it with uh, three clear talents in a grade one race? Sounds like we have somewhat of a similar opinion in this race. Uh, I expect Dreyfong to go
1: off as a prohibitive favorite um, because of so much chatter about him being lone speed, his 5-for-7 record, his win over this track last year, all of that combined with, once again, the Bob Baffert, Mike Smith uh, memories of the Belmont. I expect Dreyfong to be a very common, probably the most or second most common single in the sequence. I, too, though, I'm going to lean most um, in terms of wagering on number four, Div- Divining Rod. Um, I think that this horse is a better finisher than Dreyfong. He looks great. Uh, both of us use Optics EQ plot. He looks real good on the plot there. He comes in off a, a real strong effort, albeit over the mud uh, at Laurel. We won by six and a quarter lengths at one to two. But I like the foundation he had from 2016 with all of, of the mile races. I'm uh, a big fan of Arnaud Delacour, the trainer. Get Castellano for this ride. I think the four dividing rod can stalk Dre Fong, and if he doesn't let him get away, I think he can run him down in the lane. Um, outside of those two, Sure, Mind Your Biscuits has the resume. I think this will be a little bit of a different trip, uh, mainly because he's not going to get much of a pace to run at, um, most likely. It's just hard to envision there being much of a pace, especially for a grade one sprint. Same is true of Starwalking Dude, who really has kind of struggled to get over the hump when he's taken on the best of the best. He's really dominated the lower groups, and I really respect this horse. It's pretty interesting that the way the race shapes up, he usually isn't involved, you know, prominently placed, but he may sit third or fourth on the rail in this one, which to me isn't ideal for his style, but maybe he's ready to run a career best as a seven-year-old. You have to love this horse, though, 19 wins and 55 starts. But, you know, like you, I was really considering singling Divining Rod, but I ended up on the ticket that I suggested uh, on twinspires.com blog going uh four and ten, expecting them to run one two around the track. If I wager on the race individually I will bet dividing rod, I'd probably anything seven to two or four to one or higher. But Trefong is certainly a likely winner given the the lack of pace in the race. I just think he's gonna get over bet.
0: Yeah, I for sure think he is, uh and you know, divining rod, uh, just a, a couple things that stuck out to me uh, second by a head in the Cigar Mile in a race that felt a little closer than that. Uh, but the head was to connect, uh, who I thought had a big chance to be a major player in the handicap division this year. Uh, also, uh, Divining Ride ran in American Pharaoh's Creekness and, and finished third. Uh, He very easily could have been second in that race. Uh, They ran to win the race, uh, which I I admire the Moxie. I mean, they went after American Pharoah when he got rebuffed by the eventual Triple Crown champion. No shame in that. Uh, But to me, he he ran huge. And uh, I only mention it because I think it it speaks to uh, the talent that's there, that this horse probably is a a miler, one-turn, long-route type. Uh, and he did very well, you know, the Preakness going uh, nine and a half furlong. So, uh, I think you're getting a lot of talent, you're getting number power, and you're getting a a big price, uh, you know, because of who else is in the race, but this is a great opportunity. Um, My enthusiasm only tempered by the fact that yeah, there are two in here who clearly have races that can win this and might even be more likely a winner, but from a value standpoint, he's impossible to ignore, uh, and then you you said it with Stallwalking dude, the rail is, has been good It's Saratoga, uh, now granted he doesn't have speed, so he'll have to get room eventually, but he will be running on the, the better part of the track, uh, has wins at the distance, uh, and he's a warrior, this will be his eighth start, so hard not to like him, uh, but he's running into some buzz saws here, so... Uh, you know, maybe one to, for those who like the verticals, uh, a key underneath if he drifts up and you throw one of the other ones out type of thing. But for the Maltese, uh, definitely Divining Rod uh, is going to work, work my way forward with him.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're looking to, to give yourself a shot in the spread in other races and play a contrarian ticket, Singling, Divining Rod will, will give you somewhat of that. Um, I see very few people leaving Dreyfong off their tickets. One concern, a couple concerns with Drey Fong. Sure, he beat Olders in optional claiming races and then in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Um, obviously, he beat Older Horses that day, but that was at six furlongs. He came back, and we all know the adventure that was the Bing Crosby. Um, he probably got something out of that because he did, without a jockey, of course, run that race. But how much will that mentally you know, take a toll on him along with the ship? Um, you know, there's some questions to be had, and... I don't know if I'm convinced that this horse is, is an unbeatable type of animal. Remember, he probably would have been even longer on the board and would have been the second Baffert in the sprint had Lord Nelson not scratched a couple of days or maybe a day before the Breeders' Cup sprint. I forget when exactly when that occurred. But yeah, I mean, you have to credit him for winning those races, and he certainly is the one to beat from the outside draw and the speed. But you know, at 7-5 or 6-5, to five, and as the most extremely likely single, I just am not willing to go all in on him at all.
0: Yeah, and th- I mean, there's, there's clearly issues. Uh, you know, he blew the doors off a, a maiden race at Del Mar and then doesn't show up for months until the spring at Santa Anita, uh, and then he, you know, blitzes everybody, sort of arrogant for sprint- sprinters, really. Um, but then another layoff after the Breeders' Cup and, and through his jockey and, uh, you know, Baffert had Arrogate off a layoff uh, from Dubai, and that certainly hasn't gone according to plan. So to me, at a short price, uh, there, there's just enough there to say, yeah, I mean, I'm using him on some tickets, and if uh, Ann Arbor Eddy wins the, the Jerkins, I don't want to be out because <laughs> Dreyfong wins. That would just be silly, but... You know, to me, if it, it chalks out elsewhere, I mean, this is a spot where I'm definitely going to be hoping that it, this isn't where the chalk shows up then. Makes perfect sense, and yeah, just
1: remember, you know, is, is Bob Baffert's still winning at a pretty decent clip this summer, but not quite the same uh, clip, and his horses aren't quite running as well as they did during that couple-month stretch where he won almost every st- stakes race he was in other than um, with, uh, oh, the name escapes me, of the one, one, uh, one gal that <laughs> was like three of his five losers in stakes races in two months. But, but anyway, um, yeah, so definitely the horse to beat and I respect, um, but I respect everyone's opinion on the on the speed and obviously the five wins and seven starts. But, but if you're going all in on Drey Fong in this sequence, you're going to have to find um, find a way to, to bust out elsewhere or play a very compact ticket.
0: Right. Yep. Agreed. Uh, well, uh, on to the turf, uh, the only turf race of this sequence, uh, the grade one sword dancer, mile and a half. And, uh, as you and I have discussed offline and I've mentioned in other forums, uh, my best bet of the day. And if the morning line holds up, which I don't think it will, but if it does, uh, Best bet, really, of the last 10 months, going back to Classic Empire uh, at Keeneland. Uh, Idaho, for me, is the stone-cold single. Uh, anticipate him on at least 75% of my tickets. Um, that about sums it up for me, but I know you uh, don't see it quite that way. Uh, it, is, it is an interesting race going a mile and a half. Uh, attracting uh, a pretty interesting group, but to me uh, it 's Idaho. Uh, what are your thoughts? I am far from enthused from the uh, for the grade
1: one forty third running of the sword dancer not a race that i 'm too excited about the the four of the seven competitors are coming out of the grade two bowling green, which I was extremely i thought was an extremely Uh, poor rendition for lack of a better word of the race not a lot of quality in there Um, I thought Sadler's Joy was was going to run quite you know move forward and and pick up a big win and he got late and kind of got caught by not only one but two horses I just can't I can't support any or endorse any of the inside four horses which makes this race pretty unexciting from a wagering perspective I guess I'm just you know what what is it about Idaho at at I'm going to say even money, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but what is it that makes you think that he, you know, it sounds like you're pretty much with a can't, he can't lose, where these Aiden O'Brien, I, I saw a stat, and I, unfortunately I don't have it in front of me, but the non-breeders' cup Aiden O'Brien imports just don't do that well in the States, um, obviously the horse to beat, Um, but what what is it about Idaho? Because I I, I just don't really have a real strong opinion in here, Ed. I I'm going to go five, six, seven, and kind of in my eyes get through the race uh, to get to the Travers, hopefully. But what is it about Idaho that I should be noticing that makes him such a such a a lock to you? Yeah, G- I, well, 201? I mean,
0: for for me, there's definitely some familiarity bias going on. Um, you now, I watched the Epsom Derby last year, and I, watching this horse run, I said, oh, I hope he comes to the Secretariat. And I guess Aiden thought, you know, he was a better kind or needed longer. I mean, he he seems to like these 12 furlong races versus 10 furlongs. And then he showed up in the Canadian International and wasn't great at 7 to 5, just sort of loped along and and completed the order of finish. Uh, I think he's a better horse this year. The Brisnet class ratings support that. Uh, And, you know, to me, I see him being three-quarters of a length behind Ulysses, who just won a a Group 1 at York, and and five-and-a-quarter behind Enable, giving her a bunch of weight, and she just won a Group 1 at York. Either of those two horses in this race would be 1-10 to Flintshire-type prices. And you're going to get a much better price on Idaho, who has shown a capability to run with those. And he sheds 11 pounds from his last race. Uh, To me, there's just a lot to like. Uh, At even money, I certainly won't be betting to win. At 3-2, to I probably will be. Uh, But all those reasons are why it's a single for me. And, And you and I have talked about not wanting to default to the favorite in a single situation. That's not the case here. A, because A, I agree with you, no one else in the field excites me. Uh, so to me, you get the best horse, and he's to me, not going to be a huge underlay. Even, even money, yeah, that's not a win proposition, but, I mean, to me, the horses he's run against, like I said, would be one, two to five. So I just think now's the time.
1: All very good points. I certainly would make him my top pick in the race. But once again, a lot of that is due to my lack of excitement over the rest of the field, which is not something that works out for me in the long run, is, is leaning on a favorite when I don't like the rest of the field. However, I certainly understand all your points on, on paper, in class, Everything of that sort, he certainly is the one to beat, and I would not play against. I just, I see him with with one a with Dre Fong, and maybe even more so as I wrote up today, being the most common single in the sequence. If I'm playing the sequence, I, I, you know, I want to give myself a shot. I only put, I'm only putting fifty four dollars, and I know you're going much bigger and playing much more combinations. I'm just playing one. ticket, which is not ideal for me, Um, not the way I attack a sequence I'm, you know, real excited about and and investing heavily in, but more of an action-type wager um, where I give myself a chance to beat um, all of the most likely uh, singles, being Dre Fong and Idaho and American Anthem, uh, and or American Anthem slash practical joke, but I just don't have a strong opinion here at these... These graded stakes races um, on the turf with European imports that I don't really follow that much are not my forte. Um, I tend to not lean on low-priced Europeans for good or for bad. Um, and I'm going to include Chad Brown just because he's Chad Brown. I've never been a huge money multiplier fan, but, but if, if, if Idaho doesn't fire – which we've seen often with these, you know, European favorites. I think he is the most likely winner. So, I wish I had more to to offer you, offer everyone in this race. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm pretty chalky in, in the way I'm approaching it, and just kind of want to get out as it's the, my least favorite of the four races.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, that, hopefully, there will be no doubt of uh, my disposition after the after the race. Uh, be. Hinge solely on whether Idaho wins or not, and: uh, you, you said you said a, I heard you say a
1: large percentage of your of your um, of your wagers will have him singled. who Who else will you be including on the others that you might be?
0: Yeah, the ones that don't use him are going to have them all. Okay, so and, and
1: that'll probably be tied to to needing divining rod in the next race.
0: I would assume, or... Uh, yeah, the preview, yeah, that's, that's right. Um, right. Yep, so... Okay, well, that's the uh, way that, to do it. And, and maybe, uh, you know, then, you know, practical joke, because, like, if practical joke wins and divining rod wins, I'll, I'll want it to be opened up a little bit. Um, but divining that's- rod, mostly, yes.
1: Yeah, that's a smart way to handle it. If I was going bigger in the sequence, I would be staggering tickets the same way. And especially if you have Ann Arbor Eddie winning, and even Tackleful. I, I know you want to, you know, you want to have more than you know a, a two by one ticket to get to the Travers, which makes sense. So, totally understand where you're coming from, and and appreciate the fact that you're taking a stand, even if it's you know with a with a short price horse in this race. I just I wish I had as much confidence.
0: Well, uh, yeah, what what I have in confidence in the uh, uh, sword dancer, I certainly lose in the Travers. Uh, (laughs) I've talked about it enough where I'm definitely coalescing around some, and whereas I thought I'd want to have pretty much all on every ticket, I've I've come around to I feel like I have a a pretty strong opinion that I'd want to gamble on a little bit and basically, okay, these are who I don't want to be. Shoot myself for because I couldn't get live to them in an otherwise wide open race. But um, you know, if Divining Rod, excuse me, if Divining Rod and Idaho both win, uh, I'll be sorely disappointed if I don't have them all uh, to close in the Travers. Uh, but ideally, we, you know, people like to narrow. They can't use them all. I know you with your structure, $54 ticket. You obviously didn't use them all. Uh, how did you go about eliminating horses in a race uh, that looks this competitive on paper?
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I did at first. As I eliminated horses that I either think um, may need a race uh, because the, first off, the mile and a quarter at Saratoga is extremely taxing. So I don't think you can kind of you can steal this race no matter the pace dynamics. Obviously, if they go quicker up front, it's better for late runners. But I don't see someone that's not fit, you know, getting a trip and and kind of pulling this off. So I kind of took a couple horses that I thought weren't so fit. There are a couple horses that I have had pegged as not mile and a quarter, barely mile and an eighth types that I won't be using. And then the derby winner who I, you know, keep hearing is lone speed and has a pace advantage in this race. I have heard that he's training better, but he was lone speed against a a more compact group of lesser horses last time over this track at a mile and an eighth, and I know he ran on to get third, and I know the numbers didn't come back, you know, that horrible and whatnot. I I can't get past that. So the two Pletcher's to me, the Belmont winner and the Derby winner, were the first tosses I had. I I don't think Tappert's going to get that same trip that he did in the Belmont that he'll need to win. I think he's going to come from too far out of it and is a little too plotty to win this race. And also coming off of a um, three or two and a half month layoff doesn't excite me. I've already stated my case on always dreaming. Um, out of the out of the, the Triple Crown winners, I am a little still interested in cloud computing. I am going to pick him in my top three, which I'm writing up, um, you know, as we speak or before we spoke, and I'll finish up when we get done. But um, cloud computing to me, Brown, I, I know he didn't have much interest in, to me in winning the Jim Dandy as a Saratoga uh, native. His goal, I'm pretty sure, is to win the Travers, not the Jim Dandy. Um, whereas I do think Pletcher's horses run strong off the bench. I, I, I could somewhat forgive the poor effort from Cloud Computing last time. I think he might be the kind of horse that's better with a little more than a mile and an eighth. I It's hard to, to watch the Jim Dandy and be excited about his chances, but he's on the rail. He should get a good trip under Javier Castellano, so I am interested in him. Um, and then the two others that I have the most interest in, um, our number three West Coast for Bob Baffert, I think he, he may go off the favorite in the race. Not really uh, you know, a, a real tough pick to come up with, but he's the improving one in this group of three-year-olds that hasn't really excited many people um, and has been full of different winners in the big races. He finishes well. The mount a quarter shouldn't be uh, an issue. We all know Baffert and Smith are capable of winning big races, so I'm going to have him as an A, if you will, in the race. And then um, IRAP, who I can't believe I uh, have, have come around to um, after, you know, thinking he was had no shot in the Derby and, you know, thinking the Bluegrass was a fluke. But it's real hard to watch the Indiana Derby and Ohio Derby and not be at least somewhat impressed with this Colt. Um, mile and a quarter maybe stretching things a little. The outside post isn't ideal, the 10-hole. But he's just been in great form. He he seems he he's a good looking animal. He might have really come into his own um, in the summer, and I definitely don't want to get beat by him. So my top three are West Coast, um, cloud computing, and IRAP. Did you end up? I know you had some A's and B's. Did you end up narrowing it down? Um, I know you said you'll have an all, but who who did you end up kind of pushing? Yeah. In as your top
0: um, I agree on IRAP, so I won't uh, go, go through that. Um, Gervin uh, is definitely an in, in A for me. Basically, if you, you toss uh, the Kentucky Derby, which he never was going to win that because of his training issues, et cetera, um, he's consistent. Uh, the numbers aren't always powerful, but uh, you know, they really aren't for anyone in in this group. Uh, and to me, so to me, he he definitely is one uh, that that I want uh, in the A column. Uh, IRAP you mentioned, and then West Coast, I agree with as well. Uh, you know, it's just the uh, the numbers say he's uh, faster at his best and consistent as well. So. Uh, yeah, even if he's the chalk, which I really wouldn't love from a win betting proposition, uh, he's he's tough to ignore as someone you wouldn't want on your ticket. Whereas, you know, always dreaming, just you you have to you have to let beat you after the last, and you you know he's going to be on a bunch of tickets. Cloud computing, uh, I don't have him as an A, but I do struggle with not using him stronger um, because. The Preakness, I thought, was probably the best race by any three-year-old this year. Uh, He threw down with Classic Empire, who my love for is well-documented. That was the race for Classic Empire. I mean, they, you know, they had missed training. He won the Arkansas Derby on talent alone. Probably wasn't at his best for the Kentucky Derby, but it was go time for the champion in the Preakness and Cloud Computing got the better of them. And to me, that, that's tough to ignore when thinking about a race like this. So at 8-1, to one, he's sort of a horse I feel like probably should be used. Um, but it's West Coast, IRAP, and Girvin for me in the A column. And then um, I would say Cloud Computing and McCracken would be my next two, and it pains me a little on McCracken because I've sung the he's not fast enough mantra for a while. And I'm not sure how much he wants a mile and a quarter, given his hang jobs at a mile and an eighth. Uh, But he's so consistent. You know he's going to run a race that could be good enough uh, that I don't want to get beat too badly by him. Um, So to me, he'd he'd probably be on the B column. Uh, And I I would use Fayek as a C. Um, The breeding's fantastic. He's only run four times. If the field truly stinks and he runs his race, he fits so at thirty to one, uh, he would sort of be that next tier. Where yeah, obviously I'll have him with my alls, um, but you know, on some three by two by one tickets, at single Idaho, that type of thing. Um, he, I absolutely would add him for another you know three or six bucks per combination. Interesting. I
1: mean, the uh, yeah, the outside post. I guess they have a, a, a big run into the into the uh, far turn and there have been up and coming horses that have got the job done before in terms of mccracken i i've been i've never thought he was a classic distance horse i don't see how that changes today i thought he should have won the haskell um as as well as, well as Gervin did run and he had a you know less than ideal voyage for mccracken not to have won that race to me it tells me all i need to know about his getting a mile and a quarter um Gervin though my only concern with Gervin is just how much did that the last two races take out of him, and can he move forward again at a mile and a quarter? Um, both races were strong, though, and other than the Derby, it's hard to knock this horse. He's not a horse; he's a horse that I included on my fifty-four-dollar ticket, as well as I did include Good Samaritan. I do think last time was probably the time for him, and the way he finished might have been might have looked a little better, considering the other four runners in the Jim Dandy were not finishing at all but he is somewhat of a wild card. He has proven he likes the Saratoga track. He will be running against the profile, but the mile and a quarter may not be an issue. So, um, And then the bomb that I threw in was, and this is a real reach, but Giuseppe the Great has been pretty competitive and moved forward in a lot of these races. And the way I see the race with not a lot of pace, I'm I'm wondering if he can't just – You know, get a good spot early, and, you know, the the mile and a quarter is certainly a a question, but I see him being 30 to 1. I doubt he's going to win the race. He probably isn't even going to hit the trifecta, but at the price and how I feel about so many of these other horses, maybe he can just hang around for a piece uh, for Nick Zito. This horse has really done little wrong. And got kind of a, a bit of a late start um, on things at Gulfstream, and then uh, ran out. Was real impressed. Granted, it was a six and a half furlong race, but his running down of Marshall playing in Swiss, of Switzerland that day at, at Keeneland—it's um, a reach, but yeah, it's it's a real intriguing race. Ed, where you can you know it takes a lot of a lot of handicapping to try to come up with with a winner, and uh, I haven't heard that many. I haven't you know been listening to too many opinions, but haven't heard anybody. Um, be too strong on anyone other than West Coast, which is why I think he'll go off the favorite. Is that what you're thinking as well?
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and if, you know, American Anthem and Dreyfong both win and Smith wins on Songbird and we're looking at a, a Belmont Day redux, he'll, with, to me, without a doubt, be uh, the favorite. And he might not even need that. But, um, yeah, and one thing I didn't mention with Tafferet I'm almost always against favorites by default, and he did, he hasn't run since the Belmont. And if Always Dreaming hadn't had pointed for this race instead of running in the Jim Dandy, he would be the favorite. He'd be getting the same benefit of the doubt that he's going to come back, just like Tappert is. And you know, maybe Tappert ends up second or even third choice, but he's just going to be over bet and, you know, he's, he's taking money because he hasn't had a chance to be exposed like everyone else. Uh, and that's part of why IRAP and Gervin uh, sort of interest me is, I mean, really the only thing either of them have done wrong is they didn't run well in the Derby and IRAP's worst performances have been on wet tracks and Gervin missed training. So that's not even an indicative performance of what they're capable of and you're going to get a better price on both of them than Taprit or, or than any of the classic winners. So uh, to me, that that's part of why I lean in that direction. And, uh, you know, it's definitely some gambling. I mean, Drapon can win. Uh, Tappert can win. But if you connect a Vining rod and Girvin, uh, you you should be okay, no matter what else happens. So that's, that's definitely uh, a big part of my strategy outside of the single of Idaho. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah, I mean, if
1: you're looking, I think I've doc, you know, been been on the record before, as you know. If you're looking at the Kentucky Derby this year over that wet, fast track, to, to gauge how you're going to bet on the Travers, I, I think you're doing it wrong. Um, you know, I I think that that Always Dreaming performance is an outlier. I think he got carried around the track. If you look at looking at Lee, no pun intended. He's also proven that he's not the same horse he was that day, was a career best. He couldn't do better than third in the West Virginia Derby. Um, So to me, that race is an auto toss, and they both had excuses in addition, IRAP being the fact that he doesn't like the off-going. Gervin, I I mean, Gervin barely made it to the race in that race. So I I think that, you know, taking advantage – this is the kind of race where a number of horses can win – you probably want to, if you're playing the in in race wagering, you want to get value, um, and, and one way to get value is to to play against horses that the public might overrate uh, based on performances in big races they've seen before. And to me, nobody tops that list more than Always Dreaming. And then you get the the fact that his, you know, he's going to be seen as lone speed perhaps in this race by many. To me, I, I saw, I saw Lone Speed for him in the Jim Dandy, and, I, and I'm good <laughs> to let him beat me. And if he's going to be 4 or 5 to 1, which I think he is at. I, I know Tappert's 7 to 2, but there's so little chatter about Tappert that I, I think he's and, – and then the fact that other people are going to think they're beat, playing against the favorite because of him being the favorite. I see Tappert going off about the fourth choice. I see West Coast getting bet more. I see Always Dreaming getting bet more. Maybe Tappert is the third choice but I mean good Samaritan just ran big I mean, it's going to be a wide open board if you have conviction on a horse you're going to get a decent price but but to me playing against the Belmont and the derby winner for the for the you know the biggest barn in New York or the second biggest with Chad Brown now is one angle that I'm going to use and, and hope I can make some money both in the pick four and in the in-race wagering.
0: Sounds like a good plan. Uh well that's the the pick four. Uh there's some overlap, so maybe you and I will both hit, but maybe not. Um hopefully. Rod. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the key for sure. That is the, the rod. Uh hopefully our listeners will do well. Uh I told you I'd ask you, so I'm gonna make good on my promise. Uh, but personal ensign, songbird. Uh what do you make of her? I will be part of the show plunge. I think she has to finish wow. in the top three. Now, <laughs> hey, Can I can I interrupt you real quick? Please. Just got a Huddy home at five to one. Nice, nice. Which which horse I don't
1: have it on. Hope's Roar. Oh, there you go. Moving on Nine. up.
0: Top ten. Yeah, should be. Anyway, I digress. Uh of the people are wondering what we're talking about. Yeah, well, no show plunge because they canceled show wagering. Place plunge. Place place plunge. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say there's plenty of place plunge money in circulation after the third race today at Saratoga. Yeah, yeah, that
1: was, uh, as uh, Jason Beams said on the bar, that was one of the miss, biggest mismatches you'll ever see at Saratoga, uh, because of the nature of so many of their races being so competitive, and that it only yeah. happens in stakes races. Um, but but, but I, back I to Stalberg. The horse um, didn't
0: look all that comfortable, and, and still rolled, so, you know, backers at, at 1 to 10, uh, you yeah, know, I thought Arrogate was value at 1 to 20, so I'm probably never going to make that statement again, but... Backers today were were rewarded. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, well, in terms of Songbird, um,
1: after the Delaware Handicap and the Ogden Phipps, my thoughts were: there's really no way that I won't take a shot against her uh, in her third race, no matter where it was. But all reports, and I've seen you know a little bit of it, and you know being at Del Mar this summer uh, almost every day, I've been kind of privy to some of the information and um you know it seems like she really came out of the delaware handicap no worse for the wear and and move forward and it seems like jerry Hollendorfer, who has been ice cold this year i I, I mean at Mar, he's he's about seven percent i believe as we speak um seems to think that that mile and a quarter race over the deep track at delaware really helped her get you know in a better better condition if you will or get into form and she really seems to be thriving now uh, unlike what you know, you, you heard maybe you heard she was doing fine and you you seems like we always hear that with the big horses. They're they're not gonna look horrible. They're 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 some of the you know, they're grade one animals, but I'm expecting her with the pace advantage and uh third start off the layoff with the foundation to, to handle this field. It's it's a little disappointing. We don't get to see a little bit of pressure up front. I know Forever Unbridled numbers didn't come back well in the uh Fleur de L. Did I say that right at Churchill? Uh um, Florida Lee, sorry, sorry. no. Florida um, looking at Lee. Florida looking at Lee. Um, but I was impressed visually with the way she looked um, in terms of before the race. I thought she, she grew into herself even more as a five-year-old. I thought this horse ran real well in the Breeders' Cup distaff um, to finish third by just a length and a quarter. I would like to see her get a little bit of a more fair shake uh, on a more fair track with a little bit of pace, but it's it's a real lot to ask to have her uh, coming in to get um, uh, to get the mile and an eighth off of over two months layoff with with no pace to run at other than Songbird. So to me, this is a pass. Um, I'll be disappointed if Forever Umberto wins. Uh, both from a fan perspective, because I've seen just about every race Songbird has run from her debut all the way through the Breeders' Cup, Distaff with you. Um, but um, I, I really think Forever Unbridled had some big races still left in her. I just don't think this is the one. And what are you going to get, seven to two or three to one, even if, if so, because of the, the other three horses probably being with with pretty much without a shot. So I, I know you're a big Songbird guy. I know you've kind of... Stuck up for her, not necessarily because you think the races have been great, but just because they you think that it's been overdone on Twitter and whatnot. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm even happier in the last week because uh, you know to the eye test and sort of the final time only speed ratings uh, such as our own Brisnet and the buyers. Uh, she's you know hasn't really wowed people, but. You know, those ratings don't take the weight into account, which was certainly in play at Delaware. Um, But, you know, looking, A, at the designer numbers, so to speak, and then B, just the workout reports uh, heading into this race versus the others, it it does seem like maybe a corner's turned. And and I do like Forever Unbridled. She was fun to watch in the the fleur-de-lis, and she's, you know, sort of a... Dallas is always a, a good trainer. He has fun with his star horses. So... She's easy to root for, and you know, honestly, in the in the right setup, uh, I would have considered maybe making her my play and even betting against Songbird. But th- this just doesn't seem like that spot. Like you said, a short field, so what are you going to get? Five to two, three to one. You're up against the tremendous pace disadvantage, and it just looks like Songbird is going the right way. Not that Forever Unbridled isn't, but um th- this just doesn't feel like the time and we'll we'll see what happens uh, in the the Zenyatta against Stellar Wind and then in the the Breeders' Cup Distaff I think both are going to be really compelling races and maybe that's the time for Forever Unbridled because you'll get Stellar Wind and Songbird and Abel Tasman and Unique Bella and uh Elate um you know so she might be a- another price like she was last year so to me, as a fan and a, a gambler who maybe will be looking at Forever Unbridled down the road, I hope they go 1-2 and everyone says it was, you know, speed bias, lone lead, and, you know, makes excuses again. Yeah, I mean, that that certainly is the
1: most likely scenario for them to run 1-2. We have seen Dallas Stewart pull these kind of upsets at Saratoga and obviously elsewhere, and I look forward to seeing how Forever Unbridled runs you wonder um if this was always was this always you might know being uh stabled or you're stabled if you will where where this <laughs> horse is, but um was this the plan always to run right up to this race, or did something go amiss to have her be off uh two months and nine days
0: yeah I, I think if my sense is I, I know they said saratoga, so I think if everything had gone well and I don't want to say anything was wrong, but I'm not concerned. Like, I do think that Dallas sort of thought, okay, there's a grade one. They'll run in that. They'll run in the spinster at Keeneland, um, and then they'll go to the Breeders' Cup. So, unfortunately, just sort of the vagaries of racing now where you get, you know, you, you get two or three races before the big one, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I
1: guess they did the same relative thing with her last year, and it ended up pr- resulting in a career-best performance in the app while it was only good for third. But um, they did run her in the Ogden Phipps, where she ran on for second and then gave her the almost um, nearly exact amount of time off before this race last year where she uh, once again ran a real, one of her best races ever and finishing third. So, um She's interesting to me, you know, the more I, you know, you, you want to give her a shot because I've been waiting to have her come back against the more heralded um, rivals that she will face in the distaff and and beforehand, but like you said, it just doesn't seem like the time and it seems like a real poor race to get involved in from a wagering's perspective outside of my place plunge, of course.
0: Get, get that uh, 5% while you can. <laughs> uh well, uh certainly a fun race to kick off the stakes action. Uh the all graded stakes pick six. We touched on the all grade one pick four. There's another pick four that starts in the sword dancer. Um I'll probably see where I'm at after the first two before deciding what to do in the late one. Uh but the Travers with twelve horses and not all of them maybe figuring to run their best shot. Um, some looks there. Uh yeah, you know, I know you said at the top of the show maybe not the the best wagering card. Um, I think that's just dependent on your opinions. Um, I think some out there. Uh, I know someone who picked Frank conversation. So from his standpoint, he's licking his chops to get to bet a top pick at you know twenty thirty to one. And uh, you know, there's it's the type of card where maybe you can find a few of those. And if not. You get to still watch uh, great animals, so, uh, you know, something for everyone.
1: Yeah, there, there's no doubt I'm looking forward to the card from a, from the fan perspective and, and all of that. There's just not very many horses that I, I'm excited about at a price, whereas Breeders' Cup Day, even Derby Day, Belmont Day, there usually is three, four horses over the course of the card that I think will have a legitimate chance to win, are not up against, you know, you're not hoping for a horse like Dreyfong or, um, or, you know, practical joke to not have things go his way. You truly believe that it will not go their way and it will go your horse's way. So I kind of feel like I'm reaching, in, you know, to try to bust out of, the, of, of the, any of the pick four sequences. The Travers is a great betting race. I just don't have a, a, a real strong conviction. I probably play trifectas uh, with my three horses, Cloud Computing, West Coast. And I wrap and, and hope to maybe catch catch a bomb for third. Um, but like you said, more than anything, I'm looking forward to the card, and I'll dive into the early pick five, which I'm sure we'll have a couple good. Haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm sure has a couple of my favorites. You know, the good young maiden races with uh, plenty of opportunities.
0: All right. Well, we uh, relish the opportunity to speak with you about it. So, uh, Scott, really appreciate your time. Uh, we'll have links to your. Uh, Twin Spires blog post on Travers Day and of course your daily selection for Delmar and Indiana Grand available every day.
1: Thanks for having me, Ed. Really looking forward to it. and uh, Hopefully your uh, plethora of tickets with Divining Rod in Idaho will uh, will carry you to the wire.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Alright, well uh, we'll find out how it happens uh, Saturday. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you Scott for joining. This has been the uh, brisnet.com how to bet the traverse stakes all grade one pick four podcast uh not sure i think actually we will be back next week because kentucky downs opens want to touch on that uh see what what sort of turf guests we can get lined up there but a lot of good racing to close out the summer labor day weekend join us then think we're out we out we out